Welcome to the podcast of Life Change Church, where we exist to love people to life change. We hope that this podcast is both challenging and encouraging to you. Enjoy the message. All right, well, hey, good morning. Hey, I'm excited you're here as we are jumping back into our series entitled The Vow. So we are in week three of this, and this is really our uh, relationship or our married series, if you will. So we're jumping in and really talking about some vows that uh, maybe we didn't make on our wedding day, but we probably should have. So hopefully if you've been coming and you're married, hopefully this has been really a, a great encouragement to you. Hopefully it's been something that can help strengthen your marriage. And maybe you're here today and you're single, maybe you're divorced or you're widowed. Hopefully this is one of those messages that can kind of encourage you to what marriage could be and should be and really what God intends marriage to be. So again, we if you remember, we started off. We started off in week one with uh, the vow of priority, and really everything rests on our priority. Everything kind of starts from there, right? And we talked about how we need to make this promise. The promise saying that I promise that God will be my first priority, and my spouse will be my second. Right? God's our first priority. Spouse is our second. And then we even went further on and talked about how our family, our kids, should be even after our spouse. So hopefully over the last couple of weeks, you've been able to, to prioritize your life in a couple of ways and uh, to make those that in the correct order. And then last week, we jumped in and we talked about the uh, vow of pursuit. And we stated that I promise to pursue my spouse. I promise to pursue my spouse and really doing by this, by closing the gap between intentions and action. And again, I don't know about you, but last week was one of those tough messages that kind of smacks you in the face a little bit. And for me, like when I'm up here preaching, my wife listens to me. It's terrible. And then she expects me to like live out what I say. So this week was one where I was very intentional on pursuing her by closing the gap between my intentions and my actions. And hopefully some of you guys did that as well. And here's what's crazy. When you do that, you might have recognized and you might have realized that it actually helps your relationships out. Right? And what's crazy is when you're pursuing that person, when you're pursuing your spouse, you actually think less about yourself. You think less about yourself. And what you might have found out, too, is that you weren't really even pursuing the person. You were actually pursuing the relationship. And the relationship really should be this. It should be a partnership, which is what I want to talk a little bit about today. We're going to talk about, about the vow of partnership. But before we do that, I think let's just jump in. Let's have a little fun. I know it uh, took a while for people to wake up uh, in first service. You guys seem a little more lively than first service, so I think you guys will play along real well. But when you think of partnership, what do you think of? You think of things that like automatically go together, right? You think of things that just are completely paired together, things that are better because they're together, right? So let's start off and let's play a little game. I'm going to show you a picture of something, and then you can just simply shout out what you think goes along with it. So let's start off with this one, right? Peanut butter. You always got that one person, right? So peanut butter, I mean, you could go with a lot of things. Your Elvis, like he likes the, the peanut butter and the bananas. Peanut butter and pickles is actually pretty legit. Peanut butter and chocolate, like obviously that goes together real well. If you want no nutritional value and you want a sandwich, you can do the peanut butter and marshmallow fluff, right? But the truth is peanut butter and jelly is the one that goes along with each other each and every time. Let's do another one. Peas, and this is, we got to find our inner force gump on this one. Yeah. Peas and carrots, I like it. All right, let's do another one. Salt and, that's right, you got to push it, push it real good. Some of you will get that. Let's do another one, rock. 
Rock and roll. So you got a little creative on that one. That's good. You guys are, you guys are with me tracking. I like it. Um, now let's see if you guys are any uh, 80s fans. And there's a great cop show in the 80s. And you got this guy. So my ladies here. And who was, uh, who was always around with John? Pont and John. All right. And uh, another one, macaroni. All right. All right. And uh, let's do another one. Bacon. No, actually just more bacon, right? No, we did bacon, bacon and eggs, and then beauty, beauty and the beast, and then let's do, let's finish with one more, Batman and the butler. No, Batman and Robin. <laughs> the truth is there's things that just come to our mind, right? There's some things that were created to be together. There's things that are better together. And the truth is in our marriages, that's what should happen. We should be better together. Our marriage should be something that strengthens us. Our marriage should be something that really we rely on the other person and we really complete each other, right? And really, our marriages, they're designed for a partnership. But we have to take that vow, right? We have to take that vow of partnership to actually make that happen. And here's what I want us to do. Here's what I want us to, to say today. Here's our kind of our, our big promise is this. I promise our marriage will be about we and not me. In your relationship, in your marriage, I want you to have this promise, and I want you to say this promise. Say, I promise our marriage will be about we and not just me. Because that's what partnership is. Partnership is about the we. Right? A partnership is about, is a relationship where two parties are really working together. Where two people, yeah, they're sharing in their same rights, but they're also sharing in responsibilities. See, a partnership is where two parties and two people are fully invested. They're connected to chase after the same thing. They're connected to pursue the same goal. They're connected to make the same priority. And today I want to challenge us. I want to challenge us in our relationships, in our future relationships, in our marriages. I want to challenge us to take the vow of partnership with us. I want to challenge us to say, and I promise our marriage will be about we and not just me. I want to challenge you to, to vow to be connected both in your rights and your responsibility. In fact, our marriages are designed for this. You know, going back to scripture and what we talked about last week in the very beginning, our marriages were designed for this partnership. In fact, in Genesis 2.24, we see this. If you have your Bibles, you can go there with me. Again, we looked at this passage of scripture last week. Again, if you don't have a Bible, we also challenge you to download the YouVersion Bible app, which is just an incredible resource that you can put right on your phone. And we put out reading plans each and every week on our social media on Monday. So you're wondering, man, what should I read this week? What should I, how should I get, stay connected to God? Go to our social media page, get that Bible app, and, and begin reading that plan. But stay connected to God each and every day. But in this passage of Scripture in Genesis 2.24, God had just created Adam. He had just created man. And he saw that Adam needed a little bit of help. Right? Adam needed a partnership. He needed somebody to come alongside. So what God did is he created Eve. He created the perfect partner for him. And he created them to be connected in this incredible way. Genesis 2.24 says this. It says, that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Again, the word that jumps out in this is the word united. Remember from last week, we looked at this word. And the, the original Hebrew language, this word has many different meanings. Last week, we looked at how this word means to cling to, right? To pursue passionately. But this week, I want to look at how it means to be completely joined together. Joined as one. Partnered together. 
See, in our marriages, our marriage relationships, they're designed for us to partner together. Our marriage relationships, they're designed, they're designed for the we and not just the me. In our marriages, we're designed to be connected to each other in an incredible way, in a connection that's not meant to be broken. In fact, I want to do just another illustration for you. you kind of get you lively here. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to put your hands in the air, and then I want you to wave your fingers like you just don't care, right? Okay. Now, what we're going to do is we're actually going to put our fingers together, though. So you put your hands together, and then put all your fingers together, and then each one of your hands and each one of your fingers is actually going to represent a part of your life. So what we're going to do right now in church, we're going to uh, go ahead and put our middle fingers down. Griff likes to call that the bad word finger. So you're going to put your middle fingers and connect your knuckles together with your middle fingers there, okay? Because really what the middle finger does, it represents you. And in our life, in our relationships, the less of us, the often the better, right? So that's really what needs to happen in our life. So if you look at your fingers, though you have this all together, your fingertips are together, your knuckles and your middle fingers together. Your thumbs, they represent your parents. Your index fingers, those represent your siblings. And then your ring finger, that obviously represents your, uh, your spouse and your marriage. And then your pinky, that represents your kids. So what we're going to do, we're going to go ahead and uh, separate your thumbs. Right? So that represents your parents. And so this is what this means. This means that we need to get out of our, our parents' basement at some point in our life, right? At some point, we're going to leave our family's house. We're going to leave our parents' house. Right? At some point there, because there's a separation. Now, if you look at it, your, your siblings, your index finger, those separate because, yeah, you're not, your lives and you're individually different than what your, what your siblings are. So you live a different life than them. And then your pinkies, someday, hopefully our kids will get out of our basement, right? <laughs> so they live a different life. We try to reach in and raise them up so they can live their own life. But what's crazy is this, is that try to separate your ring finger. Right. You can't do it. <laughs> you shouldn't be able to do it. <laughs> and here's why. In our marriages, in our relationships, we were designed to be connected to our spouse in this incredible way. We were designed to partner with our spouse. Again, Genesis, it says it from the very beginning, but Jesus reiterates this in his ministry as well. In fact, in Matthew chapter 19, verses 4 through 6, Jesus really reiterates this fact in Genesis, and he says it again this way. Matthew 19, 4 through 6. It says, haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning, the creator made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So know that, so they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. In this passage of Scripture, Jesus is talking about the power of marriage. In fact, he was actually answering a question where he was trying to get trapped in. See, in this portion of Scripture, Jesus was in the middle of his ministry. There was a lot of people following. He had a lot of healings. He was doing all these incredible things, all these incredible teachers. So really, there was this crowd around. And what this did, this really made the religious leaders of that time, it made them a little bit nervous. So the religious leaders would often try to team up on him, and they would try to trap Jesus. And what they were doing is they were trying to trap him in this, and they asked him this question about marriage. But what Jesus does is he reiterates the fact that in a marriage, we're designed to be connected together. In a marriage, it's designed for a partnership. In fact, Jesus even goes on in the next passage of Scripture in the next few verses and even gives some harsh words about divorce and talks about how really marriage is a big deal. See, because marriage is a big deal to Jesus. Marriage is a big deal 
to God. And this vow of partnership is huge. This vow of partnership is huge because it's what God intended for us in our marriages, in our relationships. In fact, if you look at it, the marriage itself, a wedding itself, goes beyond really what we, what we believe and what we often see in a, in a form of an agreement. See, often I think what we know, we know things as, as a contract. But a marriage, it actually goes a little bit further. In fact, even in, the, in my weddings that I do, I talk about how the scriptural, really the scriptural agreement is actually a covenant. Right? And it goes beyond anything we can even imagine. See, a contract, a contract says parties have only a limited liability. They also have only a limited responsibility. A contract, the form of agreement that many of us, I think, are used to, a contract can be voided, right? And really, contracts, they're in their very nature, they're based on a mutual distrust. Right? A contract's put in place really from protection of someone else's wrong. It's really put in place to, to protect from someone else's shortcoming. But if you look at a covenant, a covenant is a full collaboration. A covenant can't be broken. A covenant has this unlimited responsibility. It's not just a 50-50 split, but it's going all in all the time. It's 100 and 100. If you look at a covenant, there's no me in a covenant. It's all about the we. And that's what a marriage is. It's a vow to a partnership. I think too many times what we do is we look at it as a contract. Again, if you think of a contract, a contract is really, it's, it's really connected to the law. A contract by its nature, it's, it's legalistic. It's legalistic in nature. And really what that means is really, what can I do? To better myself. It's all about the me. What's in it for me? What's the minimum I can do? What's the most I can do? What am I getting out of it? Right? That's what a contract states, but a covenant is all about the we. A covenant goes into what is this? What's in it? What is all of this together? How can we partner together? A covenant's really based on love. It's connected to love and it's connected to the we. And today I want to challenge us. I want to challenge us to take a covenant, to take a covenant and to make the vow of partnership. Say, I promise our marriage will be about we and not just me. This is a tough promise though because the truth is partnership really goes against our flesh. Now listen, if you're single here today, if, if you're widowed, if you've been divorced here today, this is one of those messages where you can kind of sit back and be like, man, I got things going on like I'm good for right now, right? In fact, like if you look through the Bible, there's the Apostle Paul he wrote many letters, wrote most of the New Testament, and he was actually single. And there's oftentimes he bragged about his singleness. In fact, in his letter to the Corinthians, he talked about it and said, you know, I'm so grateful for my, my singleness. And he says, I urge you, those that are widowed, those that are single, those that aren't married, he says, I urge you not to get married either, right? Because in some ways, it's simpler. Right? It might not be easier, but in some ways, it's simpler. Because the truth is, when we get married, we take a vow of we. When we get married, we make a vow of partnership or we're supposed to the way God designed our marriages to be, but that really goes against our flesh. It goes against who we really are. I mean, think about it. We naturally think about the me. We naturally do things to try to protect ourselves. We're naturally self-focused. We're naturally self-serving. We're naturally self-absorbed. We're naturally self-centered. We're naturally self-involved. We're naturally self-seeking. Right? We're naturally all these things. We naturally place ourselves above anything. We naturally put the me before the we, but in partnership. But in a vow of partnership, the we comes before the me. In a partnership, because of love, we make a decision 
to put our spouse equal and above us. In fact, Philippians 2.3 shows us how we should live this out. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you looking to the interests of others. Right? This is what a partnership is supposed to look like. This is the scripture that defines what it's supposed to look like. But guess what? That's hard to live out. If you read that passage of scripture each and every day, you would be challenged each and every day. If you read it at the end of each and every day, you could look at places where you failed on that. Because it's hard to live out. It's tough, right? It's hard to put in practice. And it's really hard to put in practice when our spouse offends us. And understand this. Your spouse will offend you, right? It's hard to put in place when that happens. It's hard to put in place when our spouse sins against us. Understand this. Your spouse will sin against you at some point, right? They're going to fall short from the standard that you want them to live. They're going to fall short from the standard that God wants them to live, right? And it's hard to think about the we when that's happening. It's hard to think about that. And I think many times we mess this up. Like many times we act out of selfishness. We have this me first mentality in our marriages. I think a lot of times we may, we may think and we may even try to justify our thoughts. There's things like, you know what, I'm going to get this, I'm going to do this, but it'll totally, it'll totally benefit my family down the, down the road because I'll be happier, I'll be less grumpy when I come home because I'm doing this, right? So we try to justify these things, but still the result's the same. The result's this feeling of separation. The result's this feeling of, of being able to, almost feeling like we're living in a contract. And what we're really doing, as if you want to put your fingers back up, let's do this again. What you're really doing is you're taking me and you're putting it back up, right? And if you look at it, that finger rises to the top of every other finger. Because it, when we put us first, everything else falls by the wayside. And here's what's crazy. Try to separate your ring fingers now. It separates, right? When we have a me-first mentality, it leads to this feeling of separation. It leads to this feeling where really we think there's an out. It leads to this feeling where really it opens the door up for the enemy to do what only he can do. To destroy. To steal. To kill. And the truth is, I think many of us, we've seen marriages fall because of this. Because of this me-first mentality. Some of us, we've probably experienced this before. Some of us, we've experienced this with our parents or our close friends or, or relatives where there was a me-first mentality and because of it, the enemy creeped in and the separation was no longer. This is why the divorce rate is so high. Right? This is why marriages are struggling. Because it's been about me and not we. Because they missed on this vow of partnership. Today, I want to challenge you. In your marriage, I want to challenge you to take the vow of partnership. I want to challenge you to make it more about we and less about me. Because when we truly do this, when we truly live this out, we're connected, right? We're united. We can't separate that. We're joined together in partnership, which no one can separate. Again, Jesus said, therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. True partnership can't be separated. Think about the confidence that you could have in your life if you knew that. Think about if you were placing we above me and you knew that regardless of what you face with your spouse, that you're going to come out the other side with them. You're going to come out connected. You're going to come out partnered with them. Listen, the chances are you're going to have some financial issues in your life. There's going to be some financial stresses in your life. And they're going to push you. They're going to push you to your limit. 
Are you partnered with your spouse through it? Are you going to come out connected on the other side? And there's going to be chances where you're going to face some health issues. Are you partnered with your spouse? Are you going to come out the other side? With that? There's going to be times where there's just some tension going on in your relationship. If you place the we above the me, you can come out the other side partnered together, joined together, set, completely connected so that no man can separate. Right? This is what we need to do. We need to make the vow of partnership. We need to promise that our marriage will be about we and not just me. And really to do this, I want to give you just two giant principles that you need to live out each and every day. And we find these in Paul's letter to the Ephesians in Ephesians 5, 21 through 25. Ephesians 5, 21 through 25. So submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourself to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up if you remember, we actually glanced at this the first week of this series. But I want to look at it again. And again, this is a scripture you could look at, right? And this could be a scripture that's fun to pull apart and to use against your spouse. But what I want us to do is I want us to use this for our spouse. So here's the two big ideas I want to take away from this passage of scripture we just read. Number one is this. In our lives, we must have Christ-like leadership. And number two, we must have mutual submission. Christ-like leadership and mutual submission. So let's jump in. Christ-like leadership. In our lives, we have to have Christ-like leadership, right? A true partnership, a true partnership has Christ-like leadership in the home. A marriage that's living out and designed to be the way it's supposed to be, a marriage that's, that's actually living out the, and is a designed around we and not just me has Christ-like leadership present. And this is what this is. Christ-like leadership is love. Christ-like leadership is love. And men, husbands, Future husbands, get this. It starts with us. It starts with us. We are responsible for this. Verse 23 says, For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Listen, this passage of Scripture isn't some type of macho, macho masculine Scripture saying, all oh, men, whatever, we're just we're the leader and you have to listen to do and everything we say. What it is, it's a calling for us, right? It's a calling to be the head of the house. Right? This passage of Scripture isn't permission to boss around our wife and kids. This isn't a power play of saying, look at me, look how great I am. This isn't a free ticket to say, everybody must follow me. In fact, if you say I'm the leader and I'm in charge, chances are you're not the leader and you're not in charge. If you have to tell somebody it, guess what? You're not living it out. And if you have to tell somebody it, it's clearly not Christ-like leadership. Man, we're called to Christ-like leadership, which means this. It means it's our responsibility to love. It's our responsibility to love our wives and to love them with everything we have. To love them at all costs. I mean, again, you go back to verse 25, it says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Since our responsibility to give of ourselves up for our wives just like Christ gave himself for the church. Man, that's the start to partnership, and it starts with us. It starts with a Christ-like leadership. It starts with us looking more and more like Jesus each and every day. And if you look at Jesus, 
His ministry was designed around serving others. He served those that were his closest followers. He washed their feet even, right? He healed those that came to him. Listen, there was times where he was on the road and he was trying to get to the next thing. He stopped. He stopped to meet somebody in their place of need. And he stopped to heal them. Are we willing to stop everything we're doing for our spouse? Are we willing to stop everything we're doing for our wives to lead them the way that Christ called us to lead? And then you look at it, Christ obviously he paid the ultimate. He paid the ultimate cost for each and every one of us. He came, lived a perfect life, died on a cross to pay the penalty that each and every one of us deserved. Listen, Jesus didn't deserve to die on the cross, but he did. He did to serve us. He did to serve the church. He did to give himself up for the church. He did to give himself up for you, for me, right? He lived a perfect life, died on a cross for our penalty, but he was risen again so that we could have a relationship with God. That's the example we're supposed to follow, men, in our house, in our houses. And I think it's time for us to step up. It's time for us to step up and have Christ-like leadership. And understand this, guys, dictatorship is not leadership, right? Demanding respect, demanding authority is not leadership. Making every decision isn't even leadership. Leadership is empowering those around you. Leadership is giving others something to honor and respect. Right? Giving those around you something to honor and respect. As men, it's our responsibility to be active in this and to be active first and foremost in our families and with our wives. And we're not called to be passive. We're called to be active in love. And women, wives, understand this isn't a power play, right? What it is, it's a love play. And wives, for some of you, it means that you just need to let your husband lead. Because the truth is a home with two visions is a home with division. For partnership to take place, we have to have Christ-like leadership. And men, it's time for us to step up. Husbands, I want to challenge you. Maybe this week, maybe that means you need to start some things. Maybe that means you need to initiate prayer with your spouse. Maybe that means you need to put into place the priorities we talked about when we started the series. Maybe that means you actually need to live out and pursue your spouse like we talked about last week. And maybe that means you need to, to start serving your spouse, right? Maybe you need to, need to invite your spouse into some decisions, invite your wife into some decisions you make. Whatever it is, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to step up and love. And women and wives, future wives, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to let your man lead. Let your husband lead. Give them a chance to show his love. Give him a chance to serve you. And understand this. The biggest thing that you're probably going to need to give him is you're probably going to need to give him a little bit of grace. Wives, give your husbands some grace and allow Christ-like leadership in your homes. Number one, Christ-like leadership. Number two is mutual submission. Partnership requires mutual submission. And this whole passage of Scripture I just read, I think often, that's one of those passages of Scripture that you really don't want in the Bible. You're like, dude, I wish, wish that we could just go over that. I don't, we'll just read over that. That doesn't work, right? But what happens is I think it often gets misquoted. I actually think it often gets taken out of context, and I think it really gets abused. I think it's abused by saying that the wife should submit to the husband when the whole entire passage of Scripture is prefaced with verse 21. It has this disclaimer on it. Right in the beginning, it says this, submit to one another out of reference for Christ. Submit to one another. That's how that whole entire passage, that whole description of how to live out a marriage, how to live out your in your homes, that's prefaced with submitting to one another. 
Because the submission is mutual, right? A partnership is all about mutual submission. It has to go both ways. And again, this is not common, but it's what's called for. I want to challenge you this week. I want to challenge you with some with mutual submission. Meaning this, that you yield to each other. You yield to the other's desires. You yield to the other's wishes. You yield to the other's, even the way of their life, right? You, you give some room and you give some grace. And listen, this could be as simple as just being interested in the things that they're interested in, right? Maybe for you this week, mutual submission means that instead of when you come in and you're watching TV, you automatically change to the channel that you want to watch because you know what? You've been watching already. It's my turn now, right? Maybe it's you sit down and you, and you watch, you watch Sports Center with your husband. Maybe you come in, maybe you sit down, you watch Fixer Upper with your wife. I know that's super simple and super stupid, but the truth is it starts with that. Right? That's what mutual submission is. Maybe it goes a little deeper, right? Maybe for you, maybe it means that you actually listen to your spouse before you start talking. Maybe you begin to pray for them before you react to them. Maybe for you, maybe it's just an open line of communication. Maybe it's to share with them the struggles that you're going through. Maybe it's to share with them some of the things that you're dealing with. Instead of going to your friends, instead of going to your close little network, maybe your family first, you go to your spouse first. Listen, your spouse is designed to be your partner. They're designed to be your best friend. For that to happen, we have to let them. We have to have mutual submission. And we have to do it with a, with a reverence for Christ. I mean, we have a deep respect. We have a high regard for one another. What we need to do is we need to look at our spouse through the lens of Christ. Right? We need to see them and we need to treat them with respect, with admiration, with appreciation, regardless of how we feel. Again, I said our spouse is probably going to offend us sometimes. Our spouse is going to sometimes sin against us. So guess what? There's going to be times where we don't feel that great, right? There's going to be times that, that we don't feel like submitting. But understand this, submission goes beyond our feelings. Partnership goes beyond our feelings. In fact, your marriage isn't measured by your feelings anyways. Your marriage isn't measured by your feelings. It's measured by your commitment. It's measured by your partnership. It's measured by your mutual submission. So this we got to challenge you. I want to challenge you to submit to one another. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Take the vow of partnership. Say, I promise our marriage will be about we and not me. If you're married, I want to challenge you to do that right now in your marriage, in your relationship. Maybe you haven't taken that vow. Maybe you haven't taken that promise. This week, it's a step. It's a chance to do that. Listen, if you're single, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you in your relationships, in your future relationships. Take this promise. If you're divorced and maybe you messed this up, give yourself some grace, but also set yourself a goal for your next I want to challenge you. Take the vow of partnership. Say, I promise our marriage will be about we and not me. Implement Christ-like leadership and implement mutual submission. Because here's what I know. Your marriage will only be as good as you both decide it will be. So take the vow of partnership. If you would, take out the connect card and the seat back in front of you. Maybe here today and maybe as you hear this, maybe you haven't really been partnering with your, with your spouse. In fact, maybe your marriage has really been about me and not just we. And it's time to change that. It's time to make it about we. I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to, 
to put some words down, but make it more than words. Put some actions in place this week that will allow that to happen. That will allow you to take the vow of partnership. If that's you, there's a place that says God is asking me to. Maybe God's asking you to, to implement Christ-like leadership in your life. Maybe for you as a man, that means you need to step up a little bit. Maybe for you as a wife, maybe that means you need to give the opportunity for your, for your man to, for your husband to do that. Whatever that is, I want to challenge you to write that down. Maybe God's asking you to, to put mutual submission in your life and in your relationship. Whatever that is, write that down. There's also a place at the top that says, I want to make a commitment to follow Christ. Maybe you're here today, and maybe you didn't realize the ultimate partnership was the fact that Jesus died on a cross for you. That he gave his life for you. And what he asked in return is a commitment from you. Maybe you're here today and you want to make a commitment to follow Christ. If that's you, check mark that box. Check mark that box and then believe that Jesus loved you so much that he gave his life for you and then receive his forgiveness for your sins. There's also a place for prayer requests where we would love to partner with you in prayer as well. If you would, take a moment to fill that out. You can also take this time to fill out any ties or offerings and Daryl will be up in just a moment to explain the next steps. Thank you for listening to the Life Change Church Podcast. If you were here today and you were listening and you made a decision to follow Christ, we would love to hear about it. Or maybe you're here and you're listening and that God is asking you to make the next step with whatever that it is in your life. We would love to hear about it and partner up with you. If you would, go to www.mylifechangechurch.com and under the media section, please fill out the contact us information and let us know if you made a decision to follow Christ. Let us know what God is asking of you. And if you need prayer, we would love to partner up with you in prayer as well. We hope that you enjoyed the podcast and that it both encouraged and challenged you. Have a great week.